Uh, our main text for this morning is John chapter 8, verse 12, a verse that we've just read. Perhaps one of the most familiar phrases that Jesus spoke, or perhaps one of the most familiar ways that Jesus described himself. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Why is that saying so well known? Perhaps, I think, because it resonates with us so readily, so easily. If you ask people what sort of darkness do they have in their life, it's very easy to point to different sources of darkness. People might point to things that are evil, for example. Uh, People may have fled um, war. People may be refugees. You may meet people who are survivors of abuse, sexual or domestic. You might meet people who have been victims of crime. All these things are darkness that have darkened and impacted their life. Other people might not point to things that are quite so serious, but equally as dark. Perhaps anger or resentment or bitterness in their life. Difficult marriages that they struggle to live through. Broken relationships, either within that marriage or perhaps in their wider families. Even estrangement. And some people are just dealing with things that are depressing, difficult, that that, that provide a general darkening mist, a gloom over their lives. Mental health issues, sickness, bereavement, poverty. Or perhaps not poverty, but just the, the ongoing struggle of making ends meet with the money each month. All these things might be described as darkness. And so when Jesus comes and says, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. You can see how tempting it is to grab that promise by the scruff of the neck and make it your own. To make it mean that if I follow Jesus, the difficulties in my marriage will be done with. To make it mean that if I follow Jesus, my sickness will be healed. To make it mean that if I follow Jesus, my business will be prosperous. Unfortunately, there are people who teach such things. Now, what I want to warn you about first is that that is not what Jesus is saying. When Jesus calls himself the light of the world, he doesn't mean that all the things you might call darkness will be eradicated in your life the day you begin following him. However, He does make a real promise. He does offer real freedom from real darkness. This morning, I want us to understand what is the darkness that Jesus offers to rescue us from. And in what sense is he the light of the world? Now, there's a reason that uh, John uses, or Jesus uses a metaphor to speak about himself. As David was telling the children earlier, it's to get us to to think more carefully about what he means, to chew it over and to meditate upon it. And so as I try and describe Jesus being the light of the world and the darkness that he uh, draws out, I I won't exhaust all the different ways in which Jesus is that light. But I hope to give you a few pointers which will at least set us on the right track to understanding it. And the first is this. Darkness is when things that are morally wrong are said to be good. 
Darkness is when things that are morally wrong, things that are evil, things that are bad, are said to be good. Darkness is when things that are damaging to us are promoted as healthy. Darkness is when things that are hateful are held up as necessities in life. Darkness is when things that are satanic are said to be holy. And where do I get that from? Not actually from uh, John chapter 8, but I do get it from John's Gospel. A little bit earlier, John chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, you might want to just skip back a few pages to John chapter 3. And John introduces the idea of Jesus being the light a little bit earlier than Jesus speaks about it himself. John chapter 3, verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, by which John is describing Jesus there. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. John says, everyone who does evil, everyone who does those things which are morally wrong, Everyone who lives in a way that is hateful or damaging. They hate the light, he said. Why do they hate the light? Because, verse 20, if they come into the light, the light will expose their deeds. The light reveals their lives. The light reveals their actions to be uh, wicked and evil. And so therefore, these people stay in a place where their sin is covered over, where it is hidden, where it's sheltered, where there isn't any light to reveal it, to show it up for what it really is. Darkness provides a shelter for things that are morally wrong to be promoted as good and healthy and wise. But when light comes, when Jesus comes, he exposes that darkness. He exposes the evil in those actions. You can see now why the the metaphor of light and dark is used. You've you've all probably experienced this to some extent in more practical, everyday situations. Think, for example, of the times when you've got to get up quite early in the morning and you don't want to wake other people in the house, so you get dressed without the lights on. And you know where your sock drawer is, of course, so you open your sock drawer, you get a pair of socks and you put them on. And each individual sock feels like it fits just right. You've got the heel in the right place. doesn't feel like there's any holes in it. Brillo. Until you get outside and you're in the car, off on your way to work, and you realise, hey, although I've got a right sock on a right foot and a left sock on my left foot, the two don't match. In the dark, it felt fine. But in the light, the light reveals them not to be up to standard. Or think, have you ever been in a a nightclub? Uh, Or in in, in the students' union? If you go in at night time, it's, it's brilliant. It's a feast for the senses. The, the, the noise is loud, there's lights all over, the smoke is going on, there's people all around. It feels fantastic. But if you're going in the daytime, the floor's all sticky and your feet are sticking to it as you walk across it. The walls are all cracked and crumbling. Uh, the windows are all blackened and dirty. The place looks like it needs a good clean. In the dark, it feels fantastic. In the daytime, the light reveals it for what it really is. You know, darkness does the same thing in, in our lives. Darkness is when adultery 
is promoted as an opportunity for you to have your needs met rather than struggling on in a difficult marriage. Darkness is when bitterness or revenge is promoted as the right way to respond to people who've hurt you. Because fair is fair, right? Darkness says that revenge is the right thing to do. God's law says love is the right thing to do. Darkness gives opportunity for things which are morally wrong to be promoted as good. And you can think of all sorts of examples of the way that happens, not just in the media, not just in the world out there, but the way we are also convinced of it in our own lives at times. But Jesus, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the living embodiment of what is good. Jesus is a demonstration by the way he acts, by the way he speaks, by the way he deals with people, by how he understands God's word and by how he teaches it. Jesus is an example to us of all that is right, of all that is good, of all that is worthwhile, of all that is beautiful. It's found in Jesus. All that is morally pure. And he teaches us to live in that way. To follow Jesus, as he calls us to. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To follow Jesus is to become like him. To follow Jesus is to have his ambitions become my own. To follow Jesus is to allow his goals and his purposes to become the purposes of my life. To follow Jesus is that to have the things that he loves and the way he acts to be the default actions for the way I respond in my life. And his promise is that if we are following him, we will never walk in darkness. Darkness cannot be the habitual pattern of our life. Calling what is morally wrong good will not be the pattern of our lives if we are following Jesus. The more we look at the beauty, the warmth, the fullness of his love, the more we see the ugliness of our own selfishness or our own self-pity. The more we see the generosity of Jesus, the more we see the emptiness of the pleasures that we seek in indulging our lusts. The light of the beauty of his goodness reveals, shows up for what it really is, the ugliness of our sin. Is it easy to step out of darkness into his light? No, it's not easy. If there are some children in the congregation here today, have a think. Is it nice? Is it enjoyable? Is it a good thing when you get told off by your parents? It doesn't feel nice, does it? But you know that you're only ever getting told off by your parents when they're showing you what you're doing wrong. When that's happening, they're putting you on the right path. You know that getting told off, that discipline, that correction, really you know it's good for you. Although it's good for you, it doesn't feel nice, does it? You know, stepping out of darkness, stepping out of that cover 
where we're allowed to promote our own sin, when we're allowed to, to hold on to what is damaging to us, to step out of that darkness into the light of Jesus Christ may be difficult, but it's worthwhile to step out of darkness and into his light. Secondly, to be in darkness is to stumble through life without a clear direction. To be in darkness is to stumble through life without a clear direction. To live life realising that nothing is truly satisfying you. Whatever you fill your life or your time with, it's not meeting the need that you want it to meet. Darkness is to live your life seeking a purpose for which you were not designed. Where do I get that from? Well, this time we are back in John chapter 8. And those words that Jesus spoke, John chapter 8 verse 12, where did he say them? Well, chapter 7 gives us the context. Jesus said these words at the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles is an event where the Jews would, they'd stop living in their houses and they'd all start living in tents. Tabernacles, another word for a tent. And they'd live in these tents to remember the time that God led the Israelites out of Egypt through the wilderness toward the Promised Land. And so this Feast of Tabernacles is commanded by God for the Israelites to celebrate together. It's commanded to be a joyful celebration. And so historical reports of how the Jews celebrated at the time of Jesus are quite fantastic, really. It blows the socks off anything like Glastonbury or other festivals where people live in tents today. This was great fun. There was noise, there was music, there was food, there was wine, there was dancing. There was this huge ceremony where they would get huge water jars and pour them out, recognising the way that God provided water for them in the wilderness. And they would have these huge oil lamps in the temple and oil lamps all around the city that they would light to remember that as the Israelites walked through the wilderness to the Promised Land, they didn't do it following a map. They didn't do it following a compass. They did it following a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day. God was the light, the beam of light that they followed through the wilderness. And by lighting all these lamps during the festival, they remember that God gave them the light that directed them from the place of slavery towards the land of freedom. At that festival, on the last and greatest day of the feast, chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you see the illusion that Jesus is making? He's saying, if you are navigating the wilderness of life, if you are seeking to end up at that place of freedom, the place where you get a good life, the place of a better future, the place of freedom and security and peace for you and your children, if you are trying to get there, the only way to get there is to follow me, the light of the world. A few years back, Rachel and I went on holiday to Scotland. And um, if you've ever been to Scotland, you know it can, it can be quite a dark and dismal place. 
<clears throat> it was the middle of summer, but it doesn't, uh, doesn't stop Scotland being a bit drizzly, gloomy, and dark at times. Anyway, one evening we decided we'd go for a walk, watch the sunset, and then walk back over the moor towards where the car was parked using my little torch. I got this little torch off eBay, £2.50. And when you light it up in the living room, man, it was fantastic. Just runs off one AA battery. And look at that, I can even see the ceiling. It was, it was a brilliant torch for the money. And I thought, we'll take this out onto the moor and we'll try navigating across the moor after sunset using my fantastic new torch that I got for £2.50. You can see where this is going. After the sunset, the clouds came in and it got very dark very quickly. And so we're trudging over this moor and I quickly realised that although my little torch looks fantastic inside, looking as far as the ceiling, outside, on the moor, in the dark, with the rain coming in and all the grass and it really wasn't that much good at all. And so quite quickly, we lost the path that we were trying to follow. And so we're trying to navigate by just a a few candlelight that's coming out of this torch, a a little bit of moonlight that's managing to come through the clouds, and and a vague general feeling of which direction we're going in, based off the sound of the water crashing against the cliffs on this side, and, and the seagulls sitting on the beach over here. We know we've got to try and get over there somewhere. And as we're walking through the moor, all these little sheep tracks start popping up. And we think, ah, this looks like a good one. And so we start following it. And, of course, it leads to not quite a dead end, just a a big, muddy puddle that you've got to then try and hop over and, and, and jump from tuft to tuft of grass trying to get the next little sheep track to follow. The more sheep tracks we followed, the further from course we ended up. There was no hope of us finding the path again. How were we going to get home? Fortunately, we'd parked the car on the road next to a farmhouse. And he could see the kitchen light of the farmhouse just over the moor. The torch that I had in my hand was doing me no good. Following the different sheep tracks was doing me no good. The only option was to make a straight line aiming for the light of the kitchen window. Follow the line. Keep going towards the light. That's the only way we'll get back. We did make it back in the end, but with very muddy feet. The only way to get to the destination is to follow the light. In your life, do you ever question, what is it that you are doing with yourself? What is your purpose? What are you here for? What are you living for? What are you making of yourself? What do you consider worthwhile in the time that you put into things? What are those dreams that you are so often encouraged to follow and pursue? Do you ever ask yourself, how are you going to survive another 30, 50 years of the same monotony that you feel like you're in at the minute? Do you wonder what your purpose of life is? Do you wonder where you're heading? What you're going to make of yourself? This time of year, it's not uncommon to be asking those sorts of questions. As you think about New Year's resolutions, how can I better myself next year? How can I advance myself? And it can be easy to to despair when you think of those questions if you're not clear on where you are heading. Now, there might be, for a time, as you walk through your life, there might be these little sheep tracks that pop up all over the place. And they look like promising leads. Here's some sports. I'm going to commit myself to being as fit and as fast and as strong as I can. And it takes you off on a little side alley for a while. But in the end, you get an injury. 
the club that you were part of folds up because they don't have enough players. You just get beaten by other people who are fitter and stronger than you. It leads to a dead end. You might follow family for a while. That looks promising. Pour your time and your effort and your love into caring for your family, your children. But similarly, it leads to a dead end. You can't ultimately control what your children, what your offspring do with their lives, with their money, with the time and effort that you've poured into them. They lead to dead ends. Music, education, career. They never ultimately satisfy. There always comes a time when you've got to ask that question again. What am I doing with my life? How am I making myself something useful, something purposeful? The light of the world is Jesus Christ. He is the one that we're aiming to follow. And so when we get stuck in those piles of mud, those, when we get to the end of those dead-end tracks that have led us away from where we're really aiming for, when we fall over the injury in sports or the, the, the broken family or the, uh, the children who, who go off the rails and, and go a separate way than the way we would have liked... If we're following Jesus, if we're aiming for His light, if we're trying to live in the direction that He's taking us, then it means that our expedition, our wandering through the wilderness, is not over. We're not stuck. We're not at the dead end. Pick your eyes up. Stop focusing on the little track that you are following. Fix your eyes upon Jesus and follow Him. And through the mud through the difficulty, through the hardship of life, follow Jesus. Live in the way that He would have you live. Live in a way that honours Him. Pursue the goals that He offers you. To walk in darkness is to stumble through life, chasing all sorts of different purposes, finding that none of them ultimately satisfy. Jesus alone is the light of the world. And if we follow him, that is to be freed from all the anxiety, the pressure, the worry, the shattered hopes of chasing empty dreams. He will lead us to his home. Thirdly, to be in darkness is to end up at the wrong destination. To be in darkness is to end up at the wrong destination. You might wonder this morning, oh well and good Jesus being light of the world, but you know, can't I just be a good person without Jesus? Do I really need Jesus to be able to decide what is morally wrong and what is morally right? You might wonder, can't my life have purpose without Jesus? Can't I achieve something? Can't I do something worthwhile even if I don't have Jesus? Even if I'm not following him? That's a good question. Ultimately, it's the same question that the Pharisees were asking Jesus at the very moment that he said these words. Chapter 8, verse 13, the Pharisees challenged him. We hear you. We hear what you're saying about you being the light of the world, but we're challenging you. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. How can we trust you, they're saying. How do we know that you really are the light of the world? Anyone can say they're the light of the world. How do we know you are the light of the world? How do we know you are the one worth following? Jesus says, verse 14, I know where I've come from. I've come from the Father. 
I've come from God himself. And I know where I'm going. And the place to where I'm going is the place I'm inviting you to follow me to. Come with me. Follow me along the way. How can we be sure that Jesus really did come from the Father? How can we be sure that the place he's leading us to really is worth going to? Verse 28, Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, Jesus is referring there to his death. Those who hated the light and loved the darkness sought to extinguish the light of Jesus Christ. They sought to snuff him out, silence him forever. And so they put him on a cross and killed him. And for a time it looked like they'd won. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He was raised again by his Father. He was vindicated. And the whole world can now see when they look at Jesus Christ, he is the one who died and rose again. And the evidence of his resurrection is the evidence that he is the one that he claims to be. That he has come from the Father. That he is the light of life. And that he is leading us to a place of safety and peace and satisfaction and goodness and joy. What do you make of Jesus' death and resurrection? Have you looked into it? Do you believe that Jesus rose again? And if you do, are you following him? Because if you believe he rose again, the, the only sensible thing to do is to follow him. If you believe he rose again, that's evidence that he is the light of the world. That he is the light of life. So follow him. Commit your life to him. Walk in the path that he leads you. To the Pharisees, Jesus gave a warning. Verse 21, he says, Where I'm going, you can't come. That warning isn't given to everyone. It was given to the Pharisees specifically. Why them? Because they doubted Jesus. In fact, they hated Jesus. They didn't believe about who he was. Verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. You know, the place where Jesus is leading us, heaven, the place of goodness, is not a place that everyone will get to. It's a place that only those who believe in him will get to. To the Pharisees who didn't believe, to the Pharisees who rejected him, Jesus gives a stark warning. You will not get there. No matter how good your life is, no matter how many good things you are able to do with your time here on earth, no matter how much purpose you pour into your time and effort in life, no matter any which way you try and get to that destination, you will not get there. Except, unless, you believe in me. But to the crowd, Jesus gives the promise that he said in verse 12, I am the light of the world, whoever, whoever follows me. Whatever background you're from, whatever other religion you were brought up in, whatever state your family is in, whatever difficulties you have right now, Whoever would follow me will never walk in darkness, but will have 
the light of life. Not just see it once, not just experience it for a short time, they will have it. The light of life will be yours forever and ever and ever. If you follow Jesus to the end, follow him to the destination. Will you follow him? Will he be freed from the darkness in your life? Will he come into the light that Jesus offers? Let's pray.